Welcome to episode three of the Dirt Reporters podcast, where the members of DirtOnDirt.com's editorial staff take you beyond the headlines that you see on our website and dive deeper into the news, results, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We invite you to listen to the show each and every Wednesday, either on DirtOnDirt.com or in your favorite podcast app if you subscribe to the DirtOnDirt.com podcast feed. I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, being joined today by the rest of the DOD editorial staff, including our managing editor, Todd Turner. Todd, how are things in Kentucky? I, I think the Kentucky Derby is this weekend, right? Yes, that's now that's some real dirt racing there, you know, on the oval. <laughs> it's very, very practical. So, yeah, not not quite the same with the pandemic, but we'll get there. It's it's fun to be Derby week for sure. There you go. That's something uh, horse racing I've never really followed or gotten into much, but I always start seeing stuff pop up on my, my social media feed when it's Kentucky Derby week. So looks like a lot of fun. We also on the podcast have our weekend editor, Robert Holman. Robert, how are you today? Doing great. Ready to get this uh, show going. Looking forward to uh, to talking to things, but definitely not too long because I don't I don't want to talk too long and make uh, Todd Turner freak out. So let's go. I'm ready. Let's <laughs> get this going. Okay, right. that's enough, Robert. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> we uh, have had uh, talks with Robert about keeping his responses a little shorter than uh, last week, but I think I think he's doing a great job. That's Todd's call. But anyway, last and certainly but not least in our lineup today is senior writer Kevin Kovac, who, if I'm not mistaken, is going for the first time to Boone Speedway in Boone, Iowa this weekend for the World of Outlaws doubleheader at the track that, of course, is famous for hosting the IMCA Super Nationals each year. Kevin, are you looking forward to checking out Boone this weekend? Yeah, I am. I actually am. I, I, uh, that's one of those tracks that you never get a chance to uh, see with, with super late model racing, especially. I mean, it's just not been a super late model track. So uh, you hear a lot about it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to checking it out for, for with a hundred lap or two for the for the outlaws. Just to, to mention, I, when our schedule for coverage, uh, event coverage for the year first came out, my name was beside that event, and then somehow, mysteriously, Kevin ended up on it. So I'm not complaining. I was looking forward to going to Boom, but I'll let Kevin go and check it out instead. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get in, jump into the weekend results. We're coming off another wet spring weekend in which uh, the majority of races were rained out, it seemed. But we did manage to get in a few events, including Thursday's Castrol Flow Racing Night in America event. By the way, we're just when we say weekend, it, it, we're just including the events from the week before. If anyone is wondering, so a Thursday night race last week counts as the past weekend uh, that we're discussing, just for reference. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we did get in a Thursday uh, Thursday night's race at Atomic Speedway, where Devin Moran held off Jonathan Davenport for a twenty-two thousand dollar victory. Of course, that was thanks to a little help from a timely caution. Uh, the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series got in one of their two planned events with Tim McCready winning the tour's first ever visit to Kentucky's Richmond Raceway. And in a reversal of Thursday's finish, Jonathan Davenport topped Devin Moran in Sunday's dramatic Ironman Series race at West Virginia Motor Speedway as racing returned to the big 5.8 mile oval for the first time since 2013. Let's start by discussing a little bit about Devin Moran's win at Atomic. It was his third win of the season, his second of over $20,000. However, it almost didn't happen with Davenport making a lap 39 pass for the lead, only to have it negated by a caution uh, before that lap was completed. Kevin, if that caution doesn't come out there, do you think we have a different outcome? Uh, it, it definitely a more exciting outcome. I know that. Uh, I think Devin could have still held on. There, there's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Jonathan was coming on, on to him and it was ready, looking like he was ready to pass him, but I think it really would have been one heck of a race, man. Those guys would have been battling all that because there were some great sliders thrown in that race. There were some great moves coming off of two guys like 
you know, moving. I saw Bobby Pierce go between two guys in that race. It was pretty good. So it, it took the race down a notch when that yellow came out, but uh, it is what it is. Racing's going to have a, have a yellow sometimes, and you're not going to always get that great finish. But uh, I, I'm not going to say that uh, that Devin wouldn't have won that race, though. I think he might have been able to hold on. So no no asterisk beside the win, uh, his name in the win column there. Todd, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, but I, but I will say for – and this race particularly made me think of this. For, for uh, people who aren't familiar with short track racing and stuff, I'm sure that bothers them a little bit. Like, hey, wait, what happened? This one guy took the lead. How come he's not out front anymore? Uh, and we all understand how the rules work with the cautions, and you go back to the previous lap and all that stuff. But there is there is a little bit of a – it takes a little bit of a zing out of it when, when you have something that exciting happens, and then you just go back to the way it was before. Uh, De- Devin actually was also uh, fortunate uh, – there when he was uh, lapping uh, a car with just two or three to go, he was trying to get under him, and he, and he, and he made the wrong decision and, and went kind of too fast and really cost himself a little momentum. And if Davenport would have been a little bit closer, he might have been able to sl- slide in there and, and pass him again. So De- Devin had a couple of, couple of uh, fortunate uh, things that went his way there in the last couple laps. Certainly so. The, the race, to me, had a, a really interesting complexion to it, when, e- even throughout the race. Really, Moran led, you know, of course, every lap by the, the record book, and uh, I would say even kind of dominated early. But things certainly got interesting behind him, even before Davenport closed in there late. But I think at one point, I think, Kevin, you kind of mentioned this, at one point, there was at least four cars battling for second. And Jimmy Owens came up through there after kind of a crazy night for him, overcome come a lot of obstacles and even got caught up in a uh, in a wreck early. And at one point, I think he was going for second. He ended up seventh. But uh, it was definitely kind of a, a wild race there, especially back for second before Davenport, uh, Moran, and then even Pierce kind of followed him and, and, and uh, broke away there. Uh, Robert, anything jump out to you from uh, from that result? Kind of touching on what Todd said about, about the, the way the, the rules work and stuff. You've got to wonder how many, you know, Johnson has won that way. You know, I mean, it, it goes both ways. You know, with uh, uh, Davenport, I'm sure in his, his career, he's, he's won a bunch of races. He's raced for a long time. I'm sure there have been several races where uh, he get passed for the lead and a caution come out or vice versa or whatever and manage to, to win the race. So I don't, I don't really think it's a, a big deal for those those cautions and stuff. I mean, it, it happens. It's part of our sport. So the worst part for me is when you're a driver and you show a guy a line and the caution comes out. And it's one thing that if you're really fast and you, you pass a guy and you go on, but when you show a guy a line and you're, and then that's when you're the, you're really kind of frustrated because you're like, Oh man, now he knows where he knows how I'm want to get by him and, and it's going to be much more difficult. So that's probably the most frustrating part is from a driver's perspective. Yeah. I think one thing that gets me on the, the cautions coming out is always when you're not sure what the rule is. I know some series have a rule where every car has to pass the, the finish line for the lap to count, which I think is a, a bit much. And then others, it's just the leader plus one or the leader plus two. So it's can sometimes be frustrating. But I think in that case, everyone, the path, he made the pass and then Tyler Herb's car sitting there as they go by, you know, the cautions about with a flat tire, you know, the cautions about to come out. Was there anything else that jumped out from uh, for you guys from uh, from Atomic there worth mentioning? Kevin, you got anything? It was a good good uh, second race, I think, for the Flow Series. I mean, you get a little momentum for that for that uh, Flow Racing Night in America. Uh, after the first uh, couple were were weathered out, you know, in March and uh, needed to have something, and this one was pretty threatened too. I mean, there was some snow there during the day, uh, you know, that day, the day before. It was a cold day, and uh, 
but it ended up being a being a good show and it wasn't rough or anything like that it wasn't like throwing cars up in the air uh so i i think it got a little momentum and now there's a little break until the next one but you needed that i get i think to, to get get the series going a little bit it was definitely definitely a good race and that's two down now uh i think after some delays with the weather and everything it's um kind of got like you said got it rolling so Moving on, we'll talk a little bit about the World of Outlaws at uh, Richmond Raceway, where Tim McCready uh, held off or pulled away from Chris Madden uh, to score the win. To me, the significant or interesting aspect about that race is Madden. Chris Madden is now up to second, tied for second with Kyle Strickler in World of Outlaws points and looking more and more like he may be poised to to challenge Brandon Shepard on the, for the World of Outlaws title after Shepard, I believe, was ninth. Another kind of mid-pack run there for him, still not doesn't seem to be the Rocket Chassis house car team firing on all cylinders. Todd, what do you think? Is it uh, shaping up to be a two-car battle there between Shepard and Madden on the Outlaws? I mean, we'd definitely like to see somebody get up there and give it a run. Madden didn't have the greatest start, but he's been steady enough. And along with Brandon, you know, kind of not not being his usual self, uh, it leaves it wide open a little bit there. Um, so, yeah, good to, see, uh, good to see Madden in there. And Strickler... You know, he really, he had a great start, obviously, and he's going to have to kind of uh, uh, steady himself if he's going to stay in this battle. That's tough to ask for a national touring rookie to, to hang in there for a title chase. But he got that good start and puts him up there, so maybe he can steady the ship and keep it going. He has been very fortunate because I was looking, and I don't think he's had a top 10 in a series race since Volusia. And he's very fortunate to still be because of the you know early struggles by Madden, uh, Shepard not being up to his usual self. That Strickler's still in the points race, but yeah, he's gonna have to turn it around, turn it around quick if he's gonna uh, you know really make a run for it. But uh, Robert, what what do you think? Should we be worried about Brandon Shepard's performance? I just think they've just you know it's a slow start. You can't expect I mean even the best racers and teams to to come out and win you know 40 percent of of the events year after year after year. Uh, I think we've really come to expect a lot out of that team, and maybe sometimes we expect too much. I don't think we probably – I know they want to win every every race that they enter, and I don't think that we put any more pressure on them than Brandon Shepard does himself or his father or his grandfather or Mark Richards or any of those people. I know that they put a lot of pressure on themselves, but uh, I really feel like if they kind of get things going – they could easily, you know, win three or four in a row multiple times in the season. So I don't think there's much to worry about. As far as poor Kyle Strickler, man, don't you feel like, Todd, this is kind of a, a boxing match and he's just been staggered and he's trying to get himself up off the mat right now. You know, that's why I, that's why I look at him. I mean, he came out of the gate so great and then blow after blow after blow and it's got him down there and he's just he's just really trying to pick himself off the mat and uh hopefully hopefully he can and stick with it because i would hate to see such a great start wasted yeah definitely uh it's it's been a rough go for kyle strickler just seemed like one thing after another kevin what about you anything uh to add about the points chase for the outlaws or mccready's win there at richmond it's really been just such a strange year already with the Outlaws. I mean, everyone's always talking about like, hey, you, you got to stay close to Shepard after Florida. He wasn't in the lead after Florida this year, after Speed Weeks. Uh, this was the perfect opportunity for people to take advantage of it, uh, of his struggles a little bit. I mean, there's no doubt that the team isn't 100 percent operating like they uh, they normally do. Uh, and, and I think that kind of compounds because we're expecting them to be so good so long. I mean, they they have such a great record. And and now when they go like 
three or four races without a, out a win, let alone like the whole season so far, other than a preliminary feature. I mean, I think that like gets in, it's a human nature here. It's going to, people are going to keep asking what's wrong with you? What's wrong? Why come you're not winning? And, and I think that uh, they're in that situation a little bit, maybe second guessing a couple of little things here and there. But here they are still in the points lead and they don't even they've and Shepard has not really been Brandon Shepard this year. And, and the other teams had not take advantage of it. One of the examples right now is Daryl Lanigan. He just split up with the Viper Motorsports team and his owner, Sean Martin, uh, had mentioned they just nothing could click. They had their chance really to take advantage of of a, of a bad start for, for Shepard. And they did not They, they let it slip through their fingers and now they're not even a team. And, uh, and I could see Chris Madden, here he is. I mean, he wasn't even expecting, he wasn't even in, in the mix here for being a guy that was supposed to run all the outlaw races. He wasn't planning on it from the beginning of the year. He didn't even start the second feature at Volusia back in, in January. He didn't even, he didn't even run that feature. He, he, uh, he, he was a D- DNS right there. So that's given up a good 30 to 40 points right there. He could be tied or in the lead if he would have started that feature. And Ricky Weiss is starting to come on two top fives in a row. So I, I think this race, uh, the points could be a, an interesting battle this year. I don't think it, it's going to be a blowout. But again, all the other guys did not take uh, – did not – to not jump in there when when Shepard was struggling, so they they might be looking back at that with uh, uh, in, in a bad uh, bad way later on. Yeah, at, at some point if they're gonna make a make a run for it, Madden Strickler, uh, Ricky Weiss, any of those guys, they've uh, they better get the get the move on because you expect that Shepard and the Rocket uh, House Car team will get get rolling here pretty soon. The other uh, the other weekend notable weekend event that I, we should probably take some time to talk about was the return. And by that, I mean the return to racing at West Virginia Motor Speedway, I, I believe the first time since 2013 that uh, the track had opened. And uh, the Ironman series ran for an 8,000 to win race and produced a uh, dramatic, dramatic finish, dramatic race. It, it looked like uh, Devin Moran may kind of run away with it. Then Davenport started catching him. And then they both under the same caution midway through or lap 20, I believe, uh, had to pit and put Tyler Herb in position. And of course, it set up the dramatic last lap where Herb lost a will and uh, Davenport uh, held off uh, Moran for the win. All in all, uh, Todd, what would you say about the return to West Virginia Motor Speedway? Well, clearly the people around there loved it with the big crowd they had. And uh, I mean, it was fun to see those pictures. That's a, that's a, literally a picturesque tract it looks so great uh when you're driving by there on the interstate or or some of the photos that that were sent into dirt on dirt uh, uh from that but uh so it's a a huge success in that way and I, I don't think we want to see all the races end where uh you're not sure if somebody's going to make it kind of an attrition thing where you have flats and that kind of thing but no doubt it was dramatic uh hopefully you know they'll 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 sort things out and they've got uh, several more chances of some big races this year uh to see how they do uh with other races but uh you know uh, we talked earlier about the low a little bit of a lower car count that is that's a that's a tough track it's a it is a challenge uh, hard on engines uh uh, just a big track. I guess the pretty much the biggest track we would regularly run late models on. So uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. But I think they got a good start. I mean, lots of attention and a dramatic race. So it was a good start for a promoter Cody Watson and those guys. What do you think, Robert? You thinks uh, the track has something to build on as they try to reestablish racing at the the big track there? Definitely think. You know, I agree with Ty. It's a great start for those guys. And anytime you get fans like that out at a racetrack today. Yeah, it's a it's a plus. Uh, so definitely they have something to build on. You know, I'm not sure 
I'd have to kind of walk around the track myself to see about the surface. We know it's a big racetrack. We know it's, you know, tough on motors and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, I definitely think they've got something to work with. Uh, I think that, you know, just the, the sheer excitement of, of folks around there is a positive. And, and if you can keep that going, you know, they've definitely got something to work with. As I was looking through some stuff, I just uh, popped up something here. I, I've got a, a headline from 2012. It says Moran wins $3,000 in West Virginia Motor Speedway reopening race, uh, 2012. That was a Donnie Moran. How close were we to seeing the, the flip of that though, huh? Uh, with with Devin almost uh, getting another win there. Whenever that that had been a great kind of a duplicate headline. We changed it three thousand to eight thousand. What a great headline that would be to put those two side by side. But anyway, just a little nugget I found while I was looking through some stuff for the that race this week. Yeah, Robert pulling one out of the archives there. Kevin, what do you what do you think about uh, the reopening there? Of course, they they uh, re. Uh, lengthened the track. Uh, for, I was going to mention that it was shortened the last time it was open, and then uh, for this reopening, the return, it's back to the big five eight. So you think that was the the right call there? Yeah, uh, you don't usually see that happening anymore. Uh, tracks getting bigger than they were. It's always the other way around, uh, shortening them up to to make it you know less uh, hard on less less hard on engines and less hard on the race cars when they crash and. Uh, uh, just to bring it back to the, the local racer, it's hard for them to go run those big racetracks. Uh, but maybe there's something here. It is. It is. If they're only going to run it for a, a special show, a schedule, you know, a few races, a selected events a year, uh, that that's that could be a, a good different thing for everyone to see. It, it's usually a, uh, you can throw something completely different into the mix uh, if for just those couple races and. You, you couldn't have asked for a better a better start here. I mean, gosh, their estimate is about five thousand people. There hasn't there's not many races all year long anywhere that get that many people, and it's hard to tell exactly there because it's not like you're everybody sitting in seats. They're they're all sitting in their lawn chairs and on the grass and everything on the front stretch terrace. And but there what you look at the back stretch grandstands. There are quite a few people back there too, and it's not like there was a huge pit area, uh, pit back gate. So uh, there, there was that was a good a heck of a crowd, and and what was great that other than you know you would have liked to have seen more cars, which uh, hopefully that comes around to at least get into the 30s to 40 maybe for some of their bigger races. Uh, everybody had to have gone home pretty satisfied with what they saw. They they saw an interesting race at the end. I mean, there's few leaders. Uh, they were right towards the end, and it was decided to the last lap. And I hear the crowd when Dustin was uh, Dustin Jarrett was up there, and the announcers boot talking, every you know, getting everybody whipped up. The crowd seemed into it. They went home early, uh, so I, I hopefully they'll want to go back. It, it, that's that was the big thing for the opener, and I, and I think they accomplished that, no doubt about it. Kevin, you mentioned something that was interesting, how most tracks, we're not seeing very many tracks being lengthened. Most, if they're doing any kind of reconfiguration, it's being shortened, which I think brings up an interesting point, which is talking about track size and what is, you know, the ideal size of a track, short track, long track. We do have half miles that race well. Of course, I'm personally a fan of quarter mile bull rings myself, but I want to get your guys' take. Uh, Todd, what do you think? What's the what's the ideal track size uh that todd turner likes to go to and see or watch racing at oh i'm a short track guy for sure the most racing i went to when i first started going to dirt races were at brownstown and hobstop which are which are both you know kind of classic quarter miles a little different with the walls around hobstop and brownstown being wide open but i just i just like the the closer quarters racing and that you can see everything at once. You know, everybody's going to like different things, but, but I just get used to that. And that is my, 
you know, that's kind of my bread and butter. Now, I loved West Plain Motor, Motor Speedway back in the day, and le legit, it still has the same format. Now, that's more of a 3.8. It races a little bigger, but it, you know, but it, it doesn't feel too big to me. But I don't want to go too big. I mean, I guess what I would point at is what's going on the last couple of years up at Davenport. You know, they have the ops, option of racing on the half mile or the quarter mile. And I, I used to go up to those big Iowa tracks, and I would just – it, it it just seemed too big and get too stretched out. And now I feel like in the last couple of years at Davenport, they're like, hey, let's run on the quarter mile. We've had lots of exciting races on their quarter mile where the, the half mile track there, harder on motors for one, cars get stretched out, maybe not as exciting. I think there's some racing people that love, you know, big motors and speed and, and they kind of drawn to those big tracks because of that. Uh, but as far as the, the racing and finesse of racing, to me, that's the short tracks is what I prefer. Yeah, I would agree with most of the sentiment there. Uh, Robert, what do you what do you think? What's your perfect perfect size track? I'm definitely you know in agreement with you guys. A quarter miles is plenty. You know, you get guys having. To, I don't really want a quarter mile that's really rough and and heavy and where you've got to where you're jumping ruts and stuff. But I like a racetrack where you have to have to uh, where drivers have to really uh, drive a race car where your your elbows up and you're working around other cars, you get those, like Todd said, with them being drawn out, you get, you get to a big racetrack and just a few horsepower or a little bit of arrow really tells on you. Whereas you get to a small racetrack and it really keeps things tighter. Uh, it keeps, uh, the action is right there in front of you. And you're talking about old tracks, Bulls Gap up there in, in East Tennessee is the biggest track that I ever went to until I was about, until I went to Eldora in like 92 or something. So you know, I'm used to just there aren't very many big tracks here in Tennessee, and uh, and that's kind of what I grew up watching. Those little tracks, North Alabama Speedway, and um, you know Duck River and Winchester, and these little quarter mile tracks, and and I just think the racing's better. And also from the, from the standpoint of owning a race car, I grimace when I see those tracks and how hard they are are on motors. It is very very difficult, uh, and that's the you ask any team or driver, the motors are our most expensive. Uh, part of this sport you know you go to a quarter mile racetrack and knock a, a hub off or a rear end you know uh, break an axle whatever it's not like having to go to a big racetrack and you break a motor it, it is it can be devastating when you when you talk about breaking motors at these tracks so I, I like the little tracks for a lot of reasons and i'll stick with them yeah, I think uh, that's part of what why you see the, the low car count at tracks like Bristol and, and this past weekend at West Virginia Motor Speedway. And what about you, Kevin? We can't all be short track aficionados here. What do you think? <laughs> well, I guess I, I, I am kind of a big track guy more <laughs> than, than, uh, than short track. I, I, I kind of look back <laughs> at it, and well, I'm not saying I, I still am now. Answer your phone. Okay, right. <laughs> Holy. Is that the that Syracuse the, now calling? <laughs> that was that, that that was actually someone from Williamsport. Is that somewhere up around you? I don't know. There's a racetrack up there uh, that's got a big track up there that doesn't like my answer. I don't know. I, I, like I'm thinking about it. And I grew up like really going to all big tracks. I mean, that's what we had in uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, Delaware, and you know Hagerstown, Maryland. I went to Flemington, Orange County, in New York. I even went to the Mile at Syracuse. These were all half miles and five eighths miles and and I don't really think I went to a smaller track for, uh, you know, below a half a mile for the first like three or four years that I went to race. I went to Grandview Speedway, 
uh, in Pennsylvania for a small block modified race. It's a third mile high banked. And I'm like, man, what, this is weird, you know, and this is like a little tiny, how do they run around this? And the first time I saw a quarter mile track was one track up in New York at Cord Speedway. And I, I'm like, I, I remember driving around. We just stopped and looked at it way back there when I was a teenager. And we drove around it on a weekday when nobody was there. And I'm like, man, I don't think a race car could actually race on this thing. It's too small. And, and, and when I started going to other racetracks, smaller tracks was really with late models. And, and now I've really come to like the, the quarter miles. One of my favorite tracks, obviously, Fairbury's a great little quarter mile. And I love River Cities up in, uh, in North Dakota. Man, every time I've ever been there for a late model race, man, that quarter mile high banks, it's been great racing. And I, I'm not saying the quarter mile is my favorite now. I mean, if I was going to pick a racetrack size, Size probably would be more in that three eighths to four tenths mile uh, range. I mean, there's one track that I would love to see a late model race on now is is uh, a track that I I grew up going to quite a bit was Bridgeport Speedway in New Jersey. Uh, they always had this big giant monster five eighths mile. They they made some smaller quarter miles and third miles in the middle, but they were just kind of like you know carved out. And now they made it into a, about three eighths to four tenths mile with these high banks in the corners. And I, I just watched a modified race there on Saturday night and the cars are sliding. They're giving, throwing sliders at each other. I, I would love to see a, a late model race there. Now it seems like one of the best tracks are, are around with the, the racing wise. And, and, and that's from making it a little smaller, not too small quarter mile, but I think that three eighths, four tenths mile, it still gets some speed. You still maybe can build a cushion where guys can get up there and, and fly around the top for a little bit. And, and, and that's what I would look for. Although I, you know, I still like some big tracks. I'm not a big track hater. That's for sure. I think that's the beautiful thing about dirt track racing is there's such a variety of, uh, of racetracks. And if you, uh, if you don't like the big tracks, you know, probably there's one nearby or a race coming up at a, a short track and vice versa. So, uh, I like personally a mixture, uh, you know, of, of both, uh, some, some big tracks mixed in, um, uh, some tight bull rings. Uh, I think it's, it's good to have a little bit of, of, of all of it mixed in. So we'll, uh, we'll also take a brief look ahead at the upcoming weekend, which uh, we have, do have some significant events on the schedule. We mentioned the World of Outlaws headed to Boone Speedway for their 10,000 to win show on Friday and the 30,000 to win 100 lapper on Saturday. And of course, the Lucas Oil Tour is back in action in Kentucky with a doubleheader at Ponderosa in Florence. Let's, uh, let's go around and each offer one thing or maybe, maybe two, if you like, uh, things to keep an eye on this weekend that fans should be watching with, uh, between the, the national tours and their events. Uh, we'll start with Todd. What do you got? I think it's cool to see Kentucky get to host what amounts to three national touring races in a row with Richmond last weekend. And then we got Ponderosa and Florence, you know, Kentucky has seen better days in active dirt track. So it's uh nice that they're getting, uh, getting uh, to be in the spotlight here for a while. Uh, but I'm probably most interested in Boone and I'd like to hear, you know, what Kevin thinks about that. I just think, uh, that place has a, a, a little bit of a mystique since it, it isn't a late model place. So I think uh, everyone's got their eyes on to see what it's going to be like with the uh, outlaws up there. Kevin, what do you think? They're excited to check out the late models at Boone. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're talking here, a little small track, a little bull ring uh, that's going to have a hundred lapper. There's really not that many little bull rings that have hundred lappers, even, uh, you know, like the Fairbury, uh, you know, PDC and that that's one of the few. So uh, in, Far in farmer city, well, they don't even have a hundred lapper anymore. They used to be the hundred lapper with the Illini 100. So uh, it, it's something Bacon, different. Baby. It makes everybody Macon has their hundred lapper. That's right. That's, that's even smaller than the quarter, right? <laughs> that's the, like, that's like the a little tiny place. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's always exciting. I mean, you got to be up on the wheel for the entire race, and and I, and I kind of feel that's what's going to be uh, at Boone. And uh, and what's so good about it, you're going to have all those little bullring specialists from the Midwest. Uh, you know, Bobby Pearsall is, is going up there. You're going to have Shannon Babb. So uh, you're going to have these guys that really know how to get around the the tracks in the in the in Illinois. So. Uh, I, I think that's going to make that race even better. We're going to there there're going to be some uh some guys in that race that'll that'll make that really interesting and that's uh it's one of the races I I I know I stole it from you Joshua uh but that's kind of a, you you get to go to the show me. You you go to the show me. That's uh <laughs> well we exchange that. Maybe next year we'll switch, okay? There but that's go. it's well, going to I'm excited for it this weekend for sure. Always next year. Robert, what do you got one thing to watch for uh on the national tours this this weekend? Well, you know, I think we kind of know what to expect at Florence. Uh, in some, I'm not really sure about Ponderosa, but uh, Florence for sure, I think we kind of know what to expect. So those Kentucky tracks with the Lucas Oil stuff, I think we kind of know what to, to look for. You know, we got McCready and, and the, the Lucas Oil guys uh, that have been through there before. But I really, for me personally, I'm definitely going to have my eyes on Boone just to see who shows up, just to see the car counts, just to see uh, what – what can happen out there? You know, I love the, to get out there in, in the Midwest on those tra- little racetracks with the, the brown dirt. And uh, I think they provide, uh, promote excellent racing. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, how the, the world of outlaws do uh, out there at Boone. I'm excited for that for sure. And, and don't forget here, we start this weekend in April and we end it in May. So it's, it's, I mean, the racing season is here. You know, forget all the rainy weather. It's time to get going here. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't like whenever the weekend schedule on the website is split and I have to reload from April to May to have like, seen it all at once. But but yeah, it is, uh, it is. We are going into May. So definitely the schedule is picking up. Hopefully Mother Nature cooperates. I'm looking forward to Florence. The racing there has been interesting this year. Talking about going into May and getting to the warmer months. Uh, hopefully the track's coming around, smoothing out a little bit. But it's produced some exciting racing and some interesting racing. So I'll be uh, watching, speaking of half mile, big track. Uh, producing some exciting race and I'll be watching there to see how how that goes and how that plays out. I think we'll take one more trip around the virtual roundtable here with each of us uh, mentioning one thing that has uh, stood out to us from the past week be it a race result or an under the radar news item. Uh, What's something that caught your attention uh, from the past week? Todd I'll let you start. I don't know if it's not under the radar but we haven't talked about the sale of Talladega short track which Robert's working on a story about that. We'll find out more about that later this week. That's a pretty big deal. That's that's a long-running track. It's one of the steadiest weekly tracks uh, in the South, uh, owned by basically the same ownership group for its entire 45-year existence. You know those Crate Racing USA guys. They had designs on probably making it, you know, one of the home bases for those race track races. Uh, um, and so um, I'll look forward to seeing. Uh, hopefully that'll not that it needs some big revival, but it will be nice to see somebody who wants to improve it a little bit, maybe make a few changes. Um, if they're voting on changes, my changes would be this: they have four late model style divisions. Let's shrink those to two uh, and have a lot of cars in two divisions instead of a few cars in four divisions. Um, if there if there's a suggestion box, that's what I'll be stuffing in at the down at Talladega. We'll pass that along to Adam Stewart and the gang down there and see see if they take any consideration. Kevin, what do you got? Uh, just yesterday was a little nugget of news that came out of Delaware with uh, Amanda Robinson uh, deciding uh, with her announcing with her father that they're shutting down their race team. 
I know Amanda, the former Amanda Whaley, you know, she's married to Ross Robinson, another racer from Delaware. Uh, Amanda's, you know, arguably the most uh, accomplished female race, late model racer in the country. I mean, she's got to be number one. I mean, who other, who other, uh, woman driver has two championships and super late models at Delaware International Speedway. She has the best finish ever by a female in a world of outlaws race, a fifth place finish at Delaware. And so she was only the third female to ever qualify for a late model, a world of outlaws race when she was 15 years old, a cold 11 years ago. At Delaware, so she's accomplished a lot. I mean, she's a serious racer and only 26 years old. And and now, I mean, it doesn't mean she's uh, not racing for the. She's retiring or anything like that. And she said uh, maybe in the future she comes back. But I mean, for whatever reason, she hasn't. She didn't really explain exactly, you know, why they decided. They said they her and her father just have their own reasons for uh, you know deciding to shut down. But it's, I think that's a good. It's a bet. Definitely a loss for Delaware racing. I mean, there's. Late model racing in Delaware itself, Delaware National Speedway, has kind of gone down. I mean, there's not many super late models over there. And here's the champion, one of the most popular drivers, uh, is going to the sidelines. She'll probably be around still. I would ima- I'd imagine she'd probably be uh, turning wrenches for Ross a lot uh, in, in the future. But it will be uh, – it's sad to see uh, Amanda uh, not running. I won't be seeing her around the, uh, you know, in the race car anymore for at least the near future. Yeah, that was unfortunate news. Hopefully she's able to get back going down the road sometime. Robert, what do you got? I just wanted to uh, make mention of of David Payne's uh, Schaefer's Spring Nationals win. It's hard to believe that uh, it was it came at his home track there in Brasstown, North Carolina, Ray Cook's track, Tri-County. But uh, it's hard to believe that that's his first career Spring Nationals victory. Uh, you know, I think uh, David won the Fall Nationals on that Schaefer's deal twice. He's the champion of that twice. And I think he's got four other wins kind of across Ray's uh, spectrum of uh, series there. But to see the coach, as they call him, over there in North Carolina picking up a, a win at his home track and the, and the Schaefer's Spring Nationals deal was, was pretty cool. There you go. And I'll finish by saying uh, that I find it interesting. Uh, the last two weekends, my home track, Southern Raceway in Milton, Florida, has raced with a pond in the infield uh, of the track on Sunday afternoon because it rained uh, pretty much all day, Friday and Saturday, two weekends in a row. They rescheduled their program to get it in on Sunday afternoon. And uh, the infield was basically uh, both weekends turned into a pond, but they still got their racing in, and it just made for made for some interesting pictures uh, seeing them online, especially some of the victory lane pictures with the uh, the the Southern Raceway on the infield wall reflecting off of the water, standing water in the infield. So uh, good to see them at least getting some ra- racing in despite the weather, and uh, hopefully across the board uh, the weather will be more cooperative this coming up weekend. And of course. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss it all. Uh, Again, this is the Dirt Reporters Podcast. Thanks for joining us uh, this week and look for another episode next Wednesday. Have a great week.